Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Gospel of John chapter 15. Last week we were at 5, and I don't have a lot of time to go through the Gospel of John, so i got to move 10 chapters. So we're going to go, we're going to go a little bit further than where I, we're going to go backwards in time next week to Palm Sunday. But John chapter 15, when you find it, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. And I want you to uh, understand the context here. John, this, John is writing to us. John gives us one of the greatest treasures in the Gospels. When he writes to us from John chapter 13 to John chapter 18, all through there is a four-chapter analysis of what Jesus spoke to them the night before he was crucified. Powerful, powerful messages here that no other gospel really gets into. And so John chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, one more time, we say thank you for the word. Thank you, God, for the message that you're getting ready to give to us this morning. I thank you, God, as we go quickly into Easter. Lord, I thank you for the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us the call to understand of where you have placed us in our lives and in our hearts. The call, oh God, that reminds us of what we need to do and where we need to be and how we need to live. So, Lord, I praise you for the rescue. I praise you for restoring us. I praise you for releasing us into our destiny. I praise you, oh God, that you have provided all these things through the cross. So, Lord, today, may a blessing be upon this message that it may hear and speak your word, that they may hear your word and be doers thereof. So, Father, we give you praise for all this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. We want to give you, I want to give you some context again. If you imagine Jesus' ministry has been going on for three years. He is literally shaking the world upside down. He is literally changing the dynamics and the environment of everything around just by simply going forth and preaching the gospel and giving forth the message. And as he is out in the world, as he is speaking around Jerusalem and around Galilee and all these places, we find at the very end of his time here on earth as living amongst us, 
As we find it here, we see the very night that he's going to die, he spends some time just with his disciples. And let me tell you, if you know, if you knew that tomorrow morning you would be headed to die, what would you do last? Today, if you would know that today is your very last day here, and that tomorrow you're going to die. What would you do? What would you say? You know, there's a lot of things that you, in your mind and in your heart, you, you would stop worrying about immediately, would you not? There's a lot of things that we carry with us on a regular basis that, that we, 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 that really, that do not amount to really a lot and that we carry them daily and daily and we think that it's necessary and we think that it's important and we think that it's proper that these things should be out there and that they should, that we should actively involve in these things. But I want to tell you that, that they're not important. Let me give you one, for example. You know, let's just say tomorrow, Monday, is your very last day. Would you report to work? I know I wouldn't. <laughs> you know? I, I just call on I ain't coming in. <laughs> Why? Because tomorrow I'm dying. <laughs> so I ain't coming in today. And you're probably going to need somebody Wednesday. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to... I'm not, I'm, I, you're a priority. You're going to gather as many of your family, as many as the people that you love, the people that you've invested in, the people that matter the most to you. You're going to gather them to yourself and you're going to spend whatever. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be what, whoever, but you're going to spend it. You're going to to invest in them and the words that you're going to say to them are going to be the words that you mean the most. They're going to, it's, it's going to matter. And you can see Jesus here. He's, it's late at night. They're having the Passover meal. They're there together. And he tells them in the book of Matthew tells us like this. He says, I have long to be here with you right now at this moment. I, I, I could be with anybody else. The multitudes are gone. He has all of his all of his disciples, all of those that matter the most to him. At this moment, he's pouring his last words to them. Yes, there's going to be a resurrection day. Yes, he's going to get out of the tomb. Yes, he's going to spend 40 days with them to kind of inspire them where they need to go and what they need to do. But he's not, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. He knows, he knows that he's going to ascend into heaven. He knows that he's going to very shortly never see them in bodily form at this moment in time anymore. And he knows what lies ahead. He knows that, that the one that's going to betray him, Judas, is getting ready to do that. And that his life is going to be over by the morning. He knows that the rest of the eleven, that they're going to, ten out of the eleven, are going to die. They're going to die horrific death. And some of them are going to be crucified. Some of them are going to be chopped. Some of them are going to be beheaded. They're going to die. The only one that kind of makes a long life is John, the writer of this gospel. 
And he eventually passes as an old man. But the rest of them, 10 out of the 11, the 12th is the betrayer. The 10 out of the 11 are going to die. And Jesus knows this. And this is the last thing he says to them. And John tells us in the Gospel of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Some of the most beautiful things you've ever read. If you ever want to do a Bible study, grab that and study it. This is what Jesus wants you to get. The first thing in John chapter 13, he wants you to understand is humility. And he shows the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And he's telling them it's not about, it's not about anything else. It's, about, it's not about exalting anybody. It's about serving one another and caring for one another. And he goes through, he goes through all, of the, all of, the, of the humbling of himself. And you see that story there. And then he knows that they're going to encounter opposition. He knows they're going to encounter pain. He knows that very shortly James is going to die. And he knows all these things. And he tells them in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You, you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. And, and he goes on and he tells them, he goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He tells them, listen, you, don't, you, you can't chart your own path. You can't go down your own direction. You've got to follow me. And then he goes to our text today where he talks about a true, the true vine, and he speaks of, about being the vine. Uh, the Father is the vine dresser, and He is the vine. And He goes through this process, and He speaks about loving one another and the love of God. That that if you abide in Me, as verse nine says, "Father, love Me." I have also loved you. Abide in My love, and He speaks about the love that He has for one another. And He also warns them in this very same chapter. He says, "The world out there is going to hate you." He doesn't mince words. It, you know, it, it, it's too life-threatening. It's too dangerous out there to go and mince words and to try to conceive and try to and try to conceive an idea of sugarcoating it. You know, I mean, I was thinking about uh, my children and how we guard our children and how we we watch over them. But slowly over a process of time, we begin to introduce them to the world and not sin or anything like that, but you're trying to help them deal with it. One of the most tragic things is to see a parent that has that has guarded their kids so much, but they, they did not introduce them into the world in a way that they could talk to them about it and help them through it. And the kid gets released from home and they walk out of there and they get slammed by the world in such a way that it's evil and vile. And one of two things happens. It, it, it literally can destroy their soul or they get they lose themselves in it. And, and there are many cases of this happening that you do all that you think you do and, and you do all these things what you think is right and then your kids go out there and just unload and sow their wild oats but they go crazy so there's a process where you got to kind of show them listen there are evil people out there there are bad things out there but this is not the way Christ desires for you to live you got you can't guard them to the point where they never see it and so but every child's different but you got to understand we cannot mince words 
One of the things that I'm not speaking of our church, but one of the things that that we we have a problem across America today is this transition between youth, the, the, the youth group and big church. And the reason why is that many times the, the, the youth group and they, they got to be and, and I think we do a good job of trying to present this to our young people. But the, the reason why is many times young youth leaders will coddle their kids to the point that when they, they get out of youth group, they, they, they're used to having me, me, me. It's all about me, me, me. And they never learn about serving and they never learn about growing and they never learn about discipleship. And when they come here, they're not ready for that. And they say, well, this is isn't about me and you're right it's not about you you go to your first job and you'll figure out real quick it's not about you unless you're the one signing your check it's not about you and so when you when you go through this Jesus says the world is going to hate you they're going to abuse you They're going to come after you. They're going to kill you. They're going to do evil things over you. They're going to come at you. And he doesn't mince words. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, this is what's going to happen. But I want to tell you this. He says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's what he's saying. He looks at him and he says, look, you did not choose me. I chose you. We've got we've to really grab a hold of this concept. The world, the world loves those that obey the world standards. The world loves those that obey the things of this of life and sinfulness and all. The, the world doesn't have any problem with those people. But because Jesus called you out, because Jesus chose you. And you say, well, didn't I get up and accept Jesus on my own? Don't I have free will? Yes, you did. But he's the one that said, come to me. And there's, a, there's, this, there's this powerful dynamic there that there's a strong tension that you see. It was Christ that gave you breath today. It's Christ that put mind, uh, your mind together. It's Christ that has helped you. It is Christ that has lifted you up. It is Christ that has given you wisdom and insight. It is Christ that kept you from going out of your mind. It's Christ that has kept you when you didn't deserve it. And you didn't even know He was there. It's been Him walking beside you. And if you didn't lose your life, your family, your home, your house, it's been Jesus. You didn't do any of it. Whether you were serving Him or not, He's been looking out for you and walking beside you and offering and beckoning and saying, Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden. He allows the world to pile on you, but He will not let it overcome you for the moment that if you just reach out to Him, He's going to rescue you. You did not choose Christ. He's been walking beside every soul that has ever lived, that's ever been out here, that's ever been born. Those that those that die and go to hell today, it's not because Jesus didn't love them. It's not because Jesus didn't walk beside them. He walked beside every one of them. They die and they go to hell because they reject the saving virtue of Jesus Christ. His hand is there. It's ready to save. And they say no. And they say no. Mm, it's hard, but it's the truth. You All you did was choose to grab his hand. That's it. That's about as good as free will as we got. If you want to be saved, 
grab my hand and I'll pull you out. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. And he says, remember the word that I said. This is verse 20 and 15. Use my will to have your Bible open on your lap. Remember the word that I said. Oh, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours also. But all these things will do to you for my namesake because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also if I had not done among them the works which no one else did then they would have no sin but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father but this has happened that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law they hated me without a cause world doesn't like you we have to understand this that Jesus tells straight Tells them this is what's going to happen. They're going to reject me as well. And then chapter 16, he tells them about this Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit going to be doing in your life? How he's going to come alongside you. And how he's going to be a comforter. And how he's going to come in with power. And and endue you. And give you you and clothe you and, and he's going to do powerful things through you and you don't need to worry about what you need to understand because the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and insight and he's going to teach you and bless you and he speaks over you and says the greatest gift that you have today is the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life right now Amen. you didn't earn him you don't deserve him but he's there he says in chapter 16, he says, well, however, if you hold on, your sorrow is going to turn into joy because I go to the Father. And then he tells them in chapter 16, don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. And then some of the most beautiful words ever written is in John chapter 17, when Jesus begins to pray for you. Literally. He prays for you. Right now, sitting here at this moment. First, he prays for his disciples. And then he says a prayer that John, only John records. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. What is the New Testament? The word of the disciples, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and says that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You want to know what the devil does to churches to destroy them? He sends division. He sends division and he sends different parties trying to do their own thing and trying to be their own idea and do their own walk of life, but if if we come together as one in the Holy Spirit, the world can't stop us, the world has no power over us, we will overcome because that's the way the Bible works. It's the way Christianity works. If we come together as one in the Spirit, in the Father, the world will see that Jesus is in us. Then he says in verse 22, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Oh. I, Jesus, the glory, the cross, the empty tomb, the power, the, the evidence of all these things. He says, I want them to have it. 
Why? Because when you get married to your bride or to your husband, what's his is yours and what's hers is yours. You come together as one in one. And he says, I've got a bride and everything I have, they can have. All of my glory, all of my strength, all of my might, all of my love, all of my peace and all of my joy and all of my patience and all that I have belongs to them. Everything, if they would just join with me, everything they have. And then we give all of our sin and all of our despair and all of our, all of our filth that we carry to this relationship. And we cast it upon Jesus and he takes it upon himself and he washes it in his blood. And it becomes white as snow. And here we are living and breathing and living in an area that we did not deserve, that we could not earn. But Christ freely gave it to you when you reached out for him. Jesus praying for us. And then he goes on to pray some more. And you can read all this and study this on your own. But I want you to see the context. And the very next thing that happens. They go to Gethsemane. He goes to die. So when we. When we, we see this sandwich in here. John is not doing this by accident. He's doing this. Very, very distinctly, very importantly. And he says, and I want to get back to chapter 15. This is where we're going to sit there for the rest of the service. And he says, I am the vine. You cannot have any source. You cannot have any life. You cannot have anything unless you connect yourself to me. You cannot have hope. You cannot have strength. You cannot have life. If you do not connect yourself to God. If you do not connect yourself to Jesus, there is no hope for you in your life. And he says this, he says, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. So what do we know about God? We know that God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. You ever heard that? At every moment and every time, God is good. And so we, we have to recognize that just because we do not know the end or the, the completeness of it. You know, in ministry, there are times that I, you will not know all what's happening. You see, in our information world, we want to know everything. You know, that's why we have 24 hour news. We want to know everything. We have, we have things called social media like Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. That we know, I was calling yesterday a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine in another state somewhere, and I was calling to ask about another pastor's wife that was on his district and how, uh, I want to know how she was doing because I heard that she had a stroke. And he goes, I haven't heard that. I said, well, I live in Florida. How do you not know this? Well, I saw Facebook. That's why. You see, we, we have media. We have all these this information. We have all this out there right readily at our fingertips that, that, are, that is available. We have all this stuff for us that we want to know. We want to know it. But sometimes God doesn't give us the whole picture. And, and, and there are people that you got to, and this is where you can't simply, you got to just be as blunt as you can. Sometimes, no matter when it doesn't make sense and you cannot understand why it's happening and why these things are taking place, you've got to understand that we serve a good God who loves us and that somehow he sees the end from the beginning and he has our best 
in my, and even though I don't understand this, the Father is the vine dresser. The Father is the vine dresser. That means that I know He's doing something in my life. I know that He's, I'm in the palm of His hand. I'm connected to Jesus. I'm a branch. I'm right here. I'm connected to Him, and He's coming along, and I'm in the hands of the Father, and I don't why certain things happen, but I know I'm in His hands. Amen. You know, when we, we, we look at this, you know, we, there are tragic things that happen. There was a, my, my personal family, there was a uh, pastor that was very instrumental in my, my family. My dad was one of my dad's best friends. And he was on the way home. To, uh, he was on the way home after visiting somebody in the hospital. And what the, what the paramedics think happened is that he blacked out just for a moment, but it was long enough. And he went off the road, and he went over a ravine, and he hit his head on it. I think he either had a seatbelt on or something else, but all he did was hit his head right there. And he died. And that was it. There wasn't, there wasn't any other injury. There wasn't broken bones. There wasn't anything. And it just was enough. It was in the right spot at the right moment. And it, it, he died. And literally, the church was devastated over his loss. They were devastated at, at the death of his pastor. My family was devastated at the death of his pastor. And we don't, we, uh, we don't understand why. But you never know the future. We don't know what, what was happened. We don't know why certain things take place. We don't know that, that, that this apparently as God was moving in this, this man's life, that God brought him home. We don't know why this happened, but we know that somehow God is good. Yes. And that he's going to use this and cultivate this and turn this for his glory. There's a lot of unexplained things out there that we don't understand why. But you got to realize that the Father is the vine dresser. Now here's a very scary verse, though, verse 2. Because the Bible tells us here, the first part of this, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. You know, he cuts it off. This is frightening. If we. We are called to do one thing, bear fruit. That's what we're called. We're called to bear fruit. And if we do not bear fruit, meaning that we are not becoming what Christ has called us and designed us to do, how many of you would deal with an orange tree planted in your front yard and never, never gave you oranges? How long would that tree last? One last very long. You give it, you know, two, three seasons, and you're like, oh, in fact, you got, I can just hear somebody telling their wife, "Listen, I'm going to have some firewood coming up this winter. That tree doesn't burn. That tree doesn't produce orange. Why? Because you're not going to have patience with a tree that's supposed to produce orange. Or what would happen if you had an orange tree and you love oranges, and the only thing it ever gave you was lemons, and you hated lemons for whatever reason." So every time you go out to grab it, you say, well, listen, that gardener down there stole me a wrong tree. He, and that gardener says, well, you look at it. There's oranges. It's supposed to be oranges. It was there. It's, 
and says, no, somebody put, sold you wrong. This is a lemon tree. This is not an orange tree. And you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What are you going to do with a tree that doesn't produce the correct fruits? We have people out there that they're, they're not only not only producing fruit, but the things that they are producing are not the things that God wants for them in their lives. So God cultivates. God chops down. God gets rid of. God, God wipes out. God does these things. If you will not walk with God, He's called you for a purpose. He chose you. He spoke to you. And He says, if you don't abide in me, my Father is going to chop us down. Chop you down. And then He goes on and says this, the second part of verse 2. And this is not only Frightening on the first part, but the second part. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. My grandpa was a gardener. I, I love flowers. I love vegetables. My grandpa was a vegetable gardener. My grandma was a flower gardener. She had all kinds of beautiful flowers everywhere. And my grandpa, he had acres. He taught me about planting potatoes and corn and green beans and all the stuff out there. He taught me what seasons to go. And I remember one time he had these peach trees out in his yard. And he goes out there. And he just demolishes those trees. And I looked at him and I said, Grandpa, you did something wrong here. There's nothing left. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to have anything right now. He said, but next season, I'm going to have a harvest. And he went into he went into the process of uh, uh, going through it all. And as he uh, uh, sooner or later, he I came back and those trees were the branches were so heavy. I mean, they they were going to break because there were so many peaches on those trees. Because why? The purpose of the tree was to get them to have peaches, and he doesn't want. Barren peach trees. He wants trees. He wanted trees that were going to produce much fruit. And sometimes it takes pruning. And even things that, and even branches that produce much fruit at a time, they had to be chopped away. Then they had to be pruned at some point so that the full branch could grow even more and be stronger. Beyond that, pruning is not, uh, it is not easy. It is painful. This is this is the necess, this is the problem that I find many times in churches is that that we, we all love Jesus when He's blessing you. We all love Jesus when everything's going great, fantastic, and then all of a sudden pruning shows up. And when the pruning shows up, you're like, whoa, I really like that, God. I really enjoy that that part of that branch that was sticking out. I really enjoy doing these things and do and having all these. I really enjoyed that, God. And God says, that's good. Just hold on till next season and you can enjoy it some more. But right now, you got to go through this. Because if you don't go through this, the next year, the fruit's going to get smaller. And the next year, the fruit's going to get smaller. And eventually, you may die off before you ever produce any more fruit if you won't let the Father prune you. You see, I... I there are so many people that misunderstand some things. You see, he tells us to abide in me. This, this is the idea of agriculture. This agriculture that is there. This, the, he's saying, cultivate yourself in me. 
Cultivate yourself in me. And he's telling us, he's telling us that the world has things, speaks things over you, and says things about you, and tries to speak evil over your life. He says, but you cannot listen to them. You've got to abide in me. Why? Because the world does not understand what's happening. And from our perspective, we don't either. We just got to trust that God knows what he's doing. Now, this is the thing I want to get. This is the meat. This is the main point of the sermon this morning. If you don't get anything else out of it, if you forget it, don't forget this. Because the father is the vinedresser. Because the Father is the one pruning, because the Father is the one doing the work, because the Father is the one doing all these things, you've got to understand this very same, very important things. That there are certain times in your life that you will be planted in. And that the earth of the soil will come over your life. And you are under the ground, and you are dark, and you are and it doesn't seem like there's no light. It doesn't seem like there's anything coming. It doesn't seem like anything's going on. It doesn't seem like there's any hope for you. And it feels like you're swallowed up. But it feels like there's no, there's no escape for you. And you're under the ground. And the Father says to you, just have peace. The junk that the world is piling on you is about ready to fertilize what I'm going to bring out of you here in a few moments. You see, this is the point. You were planted, not buried. We bury dead things. But we plant things and we expect fruit. And I want to tell you today, there are people out there that they were buried, they're dead, they're gone, they're not coming back. But then there are those that God plants them and He puts them under the ground and they don't know why they have to go through pain and they don't know why they got to go through something. But God has a vision in His garden of what He has in store for you in your life. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time of being covered up with the world's junk and being covered up with the things of the world and being covered up with pain and allowing the, the, uh, the process to take place and allowing the fertilizer y'all know what that is to come over your life and the smell and the disease and the pain to come over you and then maybe you're coming out of this thing and what comes out is greater than you've ever been before it's not because you and it's not because you you deserve it it's not because you earned it it's because the father knows he's wise and he knows what to do and how and how to live your life and how to help you out and how to make you strong and how to make you prosper and how to make you grow. And even though you don't understand the process and you don't understand why he's allowing it to be poured over, he says every pain that you carry, every disease that comes upon you, everything, it's all it's going to do is to help produce more of what I've got in store for you in your life. But don't abort what God has planted. Because then you will no longer be planted. You'll be buried. There are people that while they're buried, they're planted, they cut themselves off from the vine. Because they don't understand why. 
And then they shriveled and died. But when you are planted, that means that God has a destiny for you. When you are planted, God has a purpose for you. When you are planted, your destiny is concealed. But when the harvest comes out, that will be your destiny revealed. His plan for you is to allow everybody to see how big a God He is. You see, when you have a gardener, gardeners step back. They just admire what they've done. I know, I've been around them, like I said. You see, I, I, was, I, I was on spring break this week, so we went over to Epcot. You've never gone to see the flowers at Epcot during their festival of flowers. It's very pretty. And uh, I don't know if that's what you call it, but that's what it was to me. But anyway, it's beautiful. It almost looks like a magazine cover. Walking around that place in certain areas. And, and, and they're proud of it. They let everybody know what's going on. You see, gardeners are proud of what they've done. Because people know that that took some work to do. You know, some of us, and I say us, some of us, we might be bigger projects than others. <laughs> but we're still going to produce fruit. And then you're going to get the glory and you're going to brag about how big of a problem you were. And you're going to say, look what God did with my mess. How he lifted me out. How he set me free. How he gave me life. When I could not in any way, shape, or form did it on my own, he brought me out of this. Look what the Lord has done for me in my life. And we will share and rejoice and be glad of our God. Praise God. Somebody go ahead and come to the piano. I want to tell you this morning. And he tells us, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Listen. I could preach a whole message on biblical desires here. But he's saying, if you're a gardener, and you're in your garden, and you're wanting to, and you're wanting this to produce something, sometimes every plant is different. I know when I was when I was planting vegetables, sometimes this plant may need some pesticide on it, but this one over here really doesn't. Sometimes this one 
needs a little more water because of the position of the sun than this one over here. And what? And you walk up to it as a gardener. You look at that. You look at that flower, and you say, "Okay, well, this one's really producing beauty. This one's really gorgeous, doing very well. But this one over here is not doing so well." What does this one need? And so a good good gardener looks at what the plant is telling him. And looks at what the plant desires. Says, oh, we need to replant you over here because you're not getting any sun. Or, oh, you're getting too much sun. You're drying out. We need to put more water on you to help you go through it. And the plant is telling the gardener what the plant desires and what the plant needs. And the Bible tells us here, you ask whatever you desire. That's it. Whatever's in you that you need that's going to produce fruit for God so that people will brag about God and not about you. That people will brag how great your God is. Ask me, Jesus said. And I will give it to you if you need release, if you need help, if you need encouragement, if you need any chain broken, He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring you joy. If you're stuck in depression and the world is caving in on you, you say, Lord, I need help today. I need peace today. I need joy today. And the Father's going to give whatever you have need of. God's going to bless you today. Ask what you have need of. Maybe the world's coming at you and whatever tax season's coming, maybe you need money for taxes, ask of the Father. Whatever it is that's going to give God glory, He's going to give you. But all you have to do is ask. Because you're in. You've got to tell the Father. He says, just come to me. He knows what you have need of before you even ask it, but He wants you to ask. He wants you to get in His presence. He wants you to abide in Him. You see, the part of this that I was talking about is saying, cultivate yourself in me, and I will cultivate myself in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. That means that you get in me, and you start praising. You get in me, and you start worshiping. You get in me, and get in my word. You get in my church, and you get in my place, and you get in me. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in you, and I'm going to start taking all your temper away, and I'm going to start taking all your pain away, and I'm going to start cultivating my joy over your life, and I'm going to start putting love all over you and peace over your life so that when the waves come upon you and the storm blows in, you're going to be able to stand like an iron rock and know that nothing is going to separate you from God, your Savior. You're going to be strong as I cultivate myself in you. But you've got to cultivate yourself in Him in order for that process to continue. Don't neglect yourself assembling of yourselves together. Hebrews 10 tells us, come and begin to just give God praise and allow Him just to bless you abundantly. I'm not going to mince words. The world hates us. They're going to fight us. But what they fight it with us, all it's going to do is produce the fruit that we're going to receive on that day. That's God. It's going to give glory to the Lord. Why? Because Jesus gave us His glory. Jesus gave us His glory. 
Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that every spiritual blessing in high places, in heavenly places rather, is ours. It's ours. He gave us his glory. We need to start living glory-filled lives again. We need to stop, we need to stop living below standard. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have trouble. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through pain. But we need to start living lives of glory-filled again. Glory that glorifies the name of Jesus. Where people look at you and say, how in the world are you getting through what you're getting through? And you just step back and you say, had it not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have drowned, I would have died. But he called me up and now I'm walking on water that I don't deserve to walk on. I'm living in promise and blessing that I could not earn because Jesus is beside me. Praise God. Stand with me over this room today. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the greatness of our King. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for every soul, for every person that needs you. We thank you, God, that when we are weak, you are strong. And that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, we thank you that there is a call to us. We are crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives. Christ who lives within us. The life that we live now, we live by faith in the one that loved us. And gave himself for us. Jesus, there's so many people here this morning that need you. They don't need a 12-step course. They don't need other things that are separate from you. They need you. They need your help. They need your purpose. They need your desire. They need a glimpse of the glory you're trying to bring out of them. For Lord, we are all agents of your glory. May we continue to do this, Lord. Ambassadors with you. Lord, today, for those that are getting ready to come, I pray, God, that you just bless them. I pray, God, that whatever they bring with them, that, Lord, that they would be made whole this morning. They would get a vision of what you're going to do through them. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You're here today and you've got, you need something from Jesus. Brother testified earlier how good God is 44 years. I want to tell you there are times I'm sure he would tell you in 44 years he needed help at a certain point and maybe many points. That doesn't mean you're any less. If you come down today, we all need help. We all need hope. We all need strength. If you're here today, you need something from the Lord. I want to invite you to come so that we can pray for you and pray with you. I want you to give to the Lord. Give it over to God. Let God help you. Let God bless you. Let God deliver you. Don't be afraid. I want to just pray for you for a moment. Let's believe God just to do something over your life. Let's believe the Lord to just touch you. Anybody else today? Praise God. We're going to seek God's face. 
Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 